What happened, one detail after another, could hardly be processed, much less understood. Then days turned into weeks, and weeks turned into years. Memorials were built, wars were fought, 
and victims' names were read. Survivors tried to pick up the pieces over and over again. But no matter how much time has passed, we vow to hold these memories. We will never forget those who were taken from us. The world changes and shifts this way and that. But one thing stays constant. One thing is steady. God. God weeps with us. God mourns with us. God bottles up our tears and records them in his book. He is closer to you than your own breath and remains the cornerstone of life. God is the solid ground holding us up as the world moves beneath us. It's as true today as it was on that day. Our God reigns. He reigns over principalities and powers. His dominion stretches beyond what our eyes can see. And when the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, our God reigns. We will always remember. Good morning. How is everyone today? Glad to see you here. Super glad to see you guys here. Wanted to let you know that um, we have nursery going on this morning. There is someone there for nursery, but Mackenzie was ill this morning and we couldn't find anyone quick enough. So there is, the kids are going to stay in here with us today. All right. And then we're going to pray for Kins that she feels better soon. So we love you, Kins, if you're watching online and we're praying for you. Um, also just wanted to let you guys know a few things. We like to start our service at the top with our announcements. That way, once the announcements and the business of the church is done, we can just focus on Jesus because that's why we're here. We are here for him. But we do have to make sure you guys are aware of some things. So let me go over that with you. All right. Um, so what we have, first of all, is um, we have the pastoral submission suggestion forms and the pastoral search survey um, you guys should have those on your chairs, but if you don't, you can get them back at the, the garage door, the welcome center back here. Um, we need those turned in here pretty soon, so um, we need you guys to fill those out. If you have any suggestions for a Nazarene pastor, you can write them down on that form and give them to us. And you can just put them in the box that's outside. It's an offering box. You can fold them up, put them in there, and we will make sure and get them and um, tally them all up. So we wanted to make you aware of that. There's also a women's tea on September the 18th. If you have any questions about that, uh, you can contact Barbara Fritz. I saw her this morning, so she's around here somewhere. There she is in the back. If you have any questions about it, you can ask her. And it's from 9.30 till 11.30. And then also we wanted to let you know, movie night. Movie night is coming up on the 24th of September. We are going to binge The Chosen. So if you guys haven't seen The Chosen, man, you need to see it. It's so good, right? We've, I've got witnesses for that. So, um, And we're going to have dinner that night. We're not going to do concessions. We're going to have dinner. So we want you guys to be there. So please mark that on your calendars. It's going to be a great night. We're excited about it. Another thing we wanted to make sure, two more things for you guys. 
to make you aware of. Um, on the 26th, mark your calendars to be here. Online people, listen to that because Jerry Nelson's going to be here. And we are going, he is a guest artist. He worked with Pastor Tim for years and years. Um, he is an amazing anointed musician. And the music that we're going to do that morning is going to be something that you will be blessed by. So we really are excited for it. And we want to make sure that you're aware so you can make plans to be here that morning. Um, and then we also have the Fall Family Festival coming up on October the 9th. And it is going to be awesome. So um, if you need any more um, information on that, you can check that out at the welcome counter as well. And finally, on Wednesday night, we have prayer meeting. And it is awesome. I wanted to share this with you guys. Check this out. Answered. These are answered prayers. How awesome. God is moving. He is moving. And I know sometimes I've had some, some meetings with people this week where they just feel like God is quiet or that it's going really slow or that he's taking his time because, you know, my schedule is always better. <laughs> but um, I want you to know he's working. He's working. We have proof right here. These are answered prayer requests. And we are lifting you up. So if you see the prayer card on your um, seat, fill it out. You can give it to me or put it in the offering plates, and we will pray, and we won't stop until we know that he's answered. So we are blessed to be able to come to him. So let's welcome him with prayer this morning. Would you guys stand with me, and we will ask him to be free to move here. Lord Jesus, Father God, Holy Spirit, we are excited to be in your presence this morning. There is nothing better than being in your presence, Lord. So would you calm our spirits as some of us have had a really busy, crazy morning, things that went wrong, things that just held us up to get here on time. Lord, would you just calm us down? Our week may have been hard. And Lord, I know that you know the details of everybody's week. So Father, we trust you with that. And right now, we just want to set time aside for your spirit to move. We want you to know you're welcome here and that your people love you and that we are here to give you something. We are not here to get what we want. We are here because we love you and we want to give you our hearts and our minds and lay it all at your feet and then just worship you for being awesome and being a good dad. So Lord, we love you and we pray that our worship honors you this morning and that you're pleased with it. And we want you to feel free to move in and around and among us, Lord. So come, feel welcome here because your kids love you. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. Let's worship. the world but it couldn't fill me a man's empty place and treasures the thing I never enough and you came along and you put me back together 
welcome people. If you haven't seen them before, make sure you tell them you're glad they're here. Awesome. I love listening to you guys. I like to let you go for a while because it's nice to see everybody welcome each other so well. Be so loving. Good guys. Hey, Michael. Hi, guys. <laughs> wow. You know, we have about 20 minutes in the morning on Sundays to set our hearts for what God's going to do during the sermon. And a lot of times, we have uh, just moments to where we can settle ourselves down and we can listen to what the Spirit's telling us. So sometimes that's through prayer, sometimes it's through scripture, sometimes it's through songs, sometimes it's through stories. But we just have just a tiny bit of time to get ready for what the pastor is going to bring us. And to till our hearts, to allow those seeds to be planted. And as I was sitting here looking through some of the lyrics and things of some of the songs that we do, I'm like, wow, Lord, you do a lot. And he keeps doing it over and over. We have a God that we can approach and ask him for anything we need and want. He may not answer it the way we want him to but we can always ask him. So I wanted to share with you, at, at prayer night, a lot of times we'll go over names of God. And there's two of them that I wanted to share with you this morning. And one of them is El Rey. That means, that is his name for the God who sees. So he sees you right where you are at. He knows what you're going through. He sees everything surrounding you. And he loves you, and he's not going to leave, and he's going to answer you. But he may have some time that he needs you to walk through first. Then there's another one that I wanted to share with you, just two this morning. There are a lot of names of God, and they're beautiful. I encourage you to get to know them, because you get to know him more intimately that way. But this one is Jehovah Emekah just pretty to say. Jehovah Emekah. Say it with me. Jehovah Emekah. And that means the Lord is with you. Isn't it comforting to know that he's right there with you all the time? Even when you feel like you're at your loneliest or you're going through a lot. He's the victor of it all. He's already conquered it. Sometimes he just requires us to walk. And when he does, just hold on to him Because he's not going to leave you. But sometimes it requires for us to go through mud. We've got to get our boots on. 
Have you been in muddy times before? Yeah, me too. A lot. But eventually we we get to clean those boots off. And then we see how he's carried us through, like the footprints in the sand poem. And sometimes we don't. Sometimes we just keep marching until he reveals it later. But regardless, he's already covered it. And he has victory over it all. Amen? Oh, 
Good to know. I was praying <laughs> and I got distracted because I was talking to Jesus. So we'll try one more time.
So I'm going to have our ushers come up. This is such a great time of giving back to him. I know that God has been good to me. Hasn't been easy, but he's been so faithful. Even when I didn't think I'd make it, he provided. He's so faithful in that. So let's pray. Thank him for what we've got. Lord Jesus. Thank you for being a provider for us. You provide for the birds of the air and the lilies of the field. They don't worry about a thing. I'm thankful that if we choose not to worry, we can. We can trust you the same way they do. Lord, thank you for your gifts. I pray, Lord, that we will be joyful givers to you. That as we give it back, we're excited to see what you're going to do with it. That it's not letting go of something, but instead it's giving it to you, knowing 
that we can trust you with it, and that you're going to do amazing things in our lives and, and in and around us and through our church. Lord, we thank you. We love you, Lord. We ask you to bless this offering as we give it to you and do with it what you will to further your kingdom. In Jesus' name.
loving us where we're at. Thank you for what you're going to do now in and through us. So Lord, come down over Pastor Tim. Send your Holy Spirit in to speak through him. And Lord, make our hearts tender to you so that we hear your word. We don't just listen to it, we apply it. We need you, Jesus. We need you, Father. And we need you, Holy Spirit. Thank you for loving us how you do. In Jesus' name, amen. When you come to church on Sunday morning, I wonder sometimes what it is we hope to get. Do we come here thinking that perhaps something will happen that could change us. Something that could have an impact on us. Something that could make life better. Or do we just show up? The story says his name was Dr. Adler. He was a very self-sufficient man, quite proud, highly educated uh, professor. And one time he attended a beautiful dinner party in the home of a lady who was interested in introducing him to some of her friends. And the conversation they had around the table soon turned into a debate and everyone else in the room disagreed with Dr. Adler. So as the conversation went on, his anger began to rise and It grew to the point where he stormed out of the room and slammed the door behind him in a rage. There was then an awkward silence in the room as people looked at one another thinking, what in the world has happened here? Finally, one woman sighed and she said, well, at least he's gone. And the hostess said, no, he isn't. That's a closet. (laughs) Earlier in the summer, we had all of our grandchildren with us here. We live just, we say we live in Green Mountain Falls. The address is actually Cascade, but I like Green Mountain Falls. So we have all the children there. And I've, I've mentioned to you before, we live on Fountain Creek. It runs through our backyard. 
And we had the grandchildren there, and Conrad, who is uh, second oldest, I guess, he's not like the other grandchildren. By that I mean he's, he's, he, when it comes to screens that light up, he can take them or leave them. But he is passionate about making things. And so I stored up several projects that we could work on when the kids got there, and I thought that he would be helping me. And, and I was right. So when the kids hit the door, he was this bundle of energy. And before I could even get him situated and explain about some of the projects I had in mind, he was already digging into his backpack, bringing out some models that he had brought to work on. When I did begin a project, though, even if I went out to the garage by myself, he was soon out there. And he was saying, Grandpa, can I help? Grandpa, can I try that? Grandpa, can I use that tool? Grandpa, what is this thing for? So he's just this bundle of energy. And with the other four kids there, some of them playing in the creek, and they're running, our house is tiny, and they're running all through the place. And finally, to get a bit of relief from Conrad and the others, um, I, well... I went into our bedroom and I quietly closed the door so that there could be this sense of peace and quiet. Any of you grandparents out there know what I'm talking about? Yeah, understand. And then as I'm... (laughs) When I go in the bedroom, the TV's on the wall. you got to lie down to watch it. And while I'm lying there watching it, I realized that the only thing I had done was to limit my own freedom in an effort to get away from them for a few moments. I had locked myself away while they still had total freedom. The yard, the garage, the house, I mean, they could go, come and go as they please. Why is it that so often in life we feel almost that same way? We are unhappy or feel that we need more freedom of expression in order to really be fulfilled. So we storm away from the path of God only to realize that we've walked into a closet. In our own search for freedom, we become the captive. Perhaps the reason is because we search for our fulfillment in the wrong way. Evidently forgetting that Jesus said in Matthew 5 verse 6, our next beatitude, Blessed are they who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. And of course, the key word in that verse, probably at least from my point of view, is the word righteousness. But the word blessed also needs a bit of an explanation again. Because when we try to make the Beatitudes contemporary, we normally talk about how in the original Greek, the word meant happy. And it's true. And we've mentioned that before. It does. But there's a secondary meaning to that word that might even be more important, and I'll bet you've never heard of it. Another translation 
For the same Greek word is on the right path. On the right path. On the right path are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. For they will be filled. This beatitude is so important that Jesus felt it necessary to elaborate on it. Later in this sermon, in chapter 6, verses 1 through 18, that's basically what he's talking about. In fact, it might be called the keynote to this whole passage of Scripture that we refer to as the Sermon on the Mount. And you could actually use that old line from... Well, watch the screens. It certainly is a big bun. It's a very big bun. Big fluffy bun. It's a very big fluffy bun. Where's the beef? Some hamburger places give you a lot less beef on a lot of bun. Where's the beef? At Wendy's, we serve a hamburger we modestly call the single. And Wendy's single has more beef than the Whopper or Big Mac. At Wendy's, you get more beef and less bun. Hey, where's the beef? I don't think there's anybody back there. You want something better. You're Wendy's kind of people. That commercial has never been more true of Wendy's. I don't think there's anybody back there. This one over here, if you go before 10 o'clock, you can't even get in. So I'm wondering. I love that line from Clara Peller. She was this incredible spokesperson for Wendy's. And you remember that catchphrase. Where's the beef? We still use it today. Where's the beef? Well, to understand this beatitude, we need to remember the prevailing standards of righteousness in the day of Jesus. The religious life of the people was centered around the temple. And it was measured in terms of obedience to thousands of rules and traditions and laws that had been handed down from generations of priests. So a new priest comes on board and there's something that especially ticks him off so he makes a new rule about that. And across the generations they had continued to add to that list of things and that's how righteousness was measured. And it was very professional and cold and dignified and no one enjoyed it. It was considered an uncomfortable but necessary thing if you wanted to get along with respectable people. And two things characterized religious life in the day of Jesus. Number one, it was purely external. Their righteousness was like uh, perfume. It, It wasn't part of you, but it made you smell better. And that's what life was like. And the motive for them was reward. And the reward... The reward that was desired, you got to understand, this is the religion they're going through. The reward that was desired was the praise of men. So they would pretend to serve God in order to please men. They wouldn't bother to serve Him at all unless they at least got something out of it. So into that kind of atmosphere walked Jesus. And in essence, He began to ask, Where's the beef? Where is the hunger and thirst for righteousness? Where is the fruit? 
Why do you live in this box of your own making when you can have the freedom of God? When you can be filled? Spiritually today, we are content to live on the smallest possible portion of God that we think we can possibly get by with. Baby food. Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And he knew about hunger. Because if you go back one more chapter, chapter 4, verse 2, it says, and when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he hungered. He knew about thirst. When he speaks about hunger and thirst after righteousness, he is speaking about a passionate desire for goodness and holiness. And even even as I said that phrase, some of you were basically thinking, ho-hum, hunger and thirst for righteousness and holiness. What's the big deal? When was the last time we were really hungry for God? Oh, but pastor, I'm saved. I'm a believer. I've been a... Why, pastor, I think I'm... Why, I might even be sanctified. And maybe we better look at this beatitude again. For a new insight for me is this. Congratulations here were not being given to those who had arrived at righteousness, but those who were hungry for it and thirsting for it and wanting more of it. Now, it might even seem alarming to some to note that Jesus (laughs) condemned those who were satisfied in their relationship with God and commended those who were hungering and thirsting for more. Folks, I don't care how old you are. And some of you are even older than me here this morning. Get off your high horse. Step down and realize that you ain't arrived as far as you think you have yet. Where do we fit in? Where's the beef? Where's the reality of your relationship with Jesus? How are you displaying that to the other people in your church and to the people that you work with? Show me that you know what righteousness means by the way you live and the way you treat one another. What we need today to see is a resurgence of men and women on a hunger strike for truth about themselves and their church. Are they right with God or not? And if not, how do they get right? Such a person, Jesus says, will get an answer. There are times when we do hunger and thirst, but not for baby food. I'm sick of that. Not for the spotlight. Not for gold. Not for flesh. But after Christ, we get hungry for Him. 
And do we not assume that every hunger or every thirst has its food? If so, then why do we find it so hard to believe that there is fulfillment for the hunger and thirst of the soul? And you see, what happens to a lot of us is that hunger and that thirst comes along and we begin to think, well, that's going to take some work. And we just back off. Jeremiah 29.12 says, Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. That's the hunger and thirst he's speaking about in Matthew 5. Two church members on a sidewalk downtown. And they're talking about the upcoming potluck dinner. And one of the guys says to the other, what are you folks planning to bring? And the other guy says, well, my wife's out of town, so I'm bringing a good appetite. And that's where we need to be. Jesus says that man's reply is exactly right as far as righteousness with God is concerned. If he brings his hunger with him, that is all he need bring. He will be filled. Where's the beef? But here's the beauty. They shall be filled. Listen, this isn't some empty promise. One paraphrase says, spiritually prosperous are those who's hungering and thirsting, who are hungering and thirsting for righteousness because they themselves shall be filled so as to be completely satisfied. Shall be filled. Now, originally, that applied to... <laughs> this is not very encouraging. It originally applied to the feeding and fattening of animals in a stall. Complete satisfaction. Fullness is God's answer to the emptiness in man's heart. Robert Louis Stevenson said, travel, to travel hopefully is better than to arrive. And the Harley-Davidson mantra is, it's not the destination, it's the journey. Those who hunger after Christ both travel hopefully and arrive joyfully. You know what? Some of us in our church today need to rediscover arriving joyfully. I know we're in transition. I know we're between pastors. I know I'm just the fill-in guy. But I guess that gives me freedom to say whatever I want to. So fire me, you know? <laughs> Man, we got to get a smile on our face again, folks. We got to anticipate again what God is going to do. And when we're in the process of actively seeking His righteousness, something begins to change in us. See, what's wrong with some of us is we have become satisfied but we are satisfied at a much lower level than He gives us the right to expect.
I'll, uh, I'll leave through the back door after this sermon. I <laughs> to know that he is right with God gives significance to every breath a Christian draws. Here's our trouble as a nation and as a church and as individuals. We have no idea what we are hungering for. As a nation, we are drifting. Many of us want desperately to see some kind of spiritual renewal in our land. But George Barna, who's the gifted church statistician, says that we will not have, listen, we will not have revival in our nation until we have it in our churches. And I'm here to tell you that we will not have it You're not ready for this, you know. We will not have it in this church until we as God's people are broken and hungry and thirsty. You see, we feel great concern for the ballot questions that appear in our elections. And we get our back up as Christians. And by George, we're going to defeat something. And we struggle over the moral collapse of our country. But we will not see the moral fiber of our nation change until the moral fiber of our churches change. And the moral fiber of our individual lives change. Years ago, it must have been 10 or 15 years ago, it was, I was still pastoring in Denver. And someone handed me a church, a, a, a book written by Jim Baker, the Jim and F Tammy Faye, Jim Baker. And I read it. And it was an interesting book. It, it was a story. Do you guys remember Jim and Tammy Faye? Yeah. Well, if you're under 40, you may not, but I'll tell you the story. The book was part of his ordeal in prison for five years. Jim and Tammy Faye Baker had this incredible television ministry, uh, had, had, had created this Heritage USA amusement park, all kinds of condominiums. And... But the last time I saw him was in Branson, Missouri. And he had another little TV program there in Branson, if you can find it. And, and honestly, I, I was never a big fan of Jim and Tammy. But I have to tell you that if what I read in that book those years ago was an indication of where he is spiritually these days, I'm on his side. Because here's a man who lost everything. He lost his reputation, he lost his income, he lost his freedom, he lost his retirement, he lost his home, he lost that air-conditioned doghouse that became such a thing in the news in those days. He lost his cars, eventually he lost his wife, Tammy. And as in the book, as I remember it, as he wrestled with the meaning of all that put him into prison, he said, and I'm quoting, God did not put me in prison in order to punish me. He did it, and I'm putting in parenthesis here, I'm not sure God did it. 
Most of us get in our own jams on our own. God doesn't have to take us there. But he said, he did it so that I could come to know him. Baker's saying, God put me in prison so that I could come to know him. But he tells about the day close to his son's 16th birthday when his son Jamie came to visit him in prison and it was the first time that he could visit him alone. And they were together for several hours and they talked and they laughed and they shared things that every boy wants to share with his dad. And as the son got up to leave his father who had turned to go back into a cold prison cell somewhere, the boy shouted out to him, Dad, This has been the best day of my life. And Baker said in his book, what a shame that I had to go to prison in order to give that kind of time to my son. You see, our problem is that as a nation and as a church, we are not hungry for God. And I realize from time to time that my own hunger for God has not been as intense as it used to be. We've moved stuff out of storage in the last few months. (laughs) It's amazing how when you move out of a big house into a little cabin, you save everything that you had in the big house because you may need it. And as we're going through this stuff, I'm pulling out these plastic tubs, stacks of them. And I start looking through them, and I see that in those tubs, and I knew that I had this somewhere, I have my archives. In those tubs, I have every midweek bulletin I ever sent out from every church I pastored. I have every Sunday bulletin. You remember the old printed Sunday bulletins? I have every one of them from every church for 40 years. I have every letter I ever wrote or received for 40 years of ministry. And I called Nazarene headquarters. They have a big archives place there. I said, would you like this stuff? No. Okay. (laughs) Two weeks ago, I gave my best friend who has just been pastoring a short time my file cabinet with every printed sermon I had ever I got them all on computer now and as I read through some of those bulletins and some of those letters and some of that stuff I'm reminded of a fire that used to burn deep within me and I want it back We're proud as a nation, as a people, as a church. I was reminded this week that there's an answer to the pride issue and the lack of spiritual hunger that infests our churches. And it's found in 2 Chronicles 7.14. If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven 
and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. I attended a class not long ago about nutrition. You can tell it's helped. What are you laughing at, Jane? When you're in your 70s and you've eaten a certain way all your life, it's pretty hard to change. But what the teacher was basically telling us in that class was that we need to change our appetites. I have to start liking vegetables better. Maybe we need to do that spiritually too. Maybe just as there are physical diets that work and some that don't, there are also spiritual diets that work and some that don't. And here's a spiritual diet, just to give you a heads up, one that doesn't work. Religion. Sometimes we think that if we just get more religious, our life will get better. And religion comes in two basic flavors. The first one is bitter legalism. And legalism becomes this all-you-can-eat buffet of rules. And the vast majority of those rules begin with the word don't. And somehow we get the idea if we can weigh our lives down with enough rules that our lives will become less stressful. But keeping up with all those rules only adds to the stress. And the second flavor of religion is bland convenience. And it is there where we make church part of our routine. It's what we do on Sunday sometimes. But with bland convenience, Jesus is kind of a little add-on or an accessory to our life like jewelry or socks. Religion doesn't work when it comes to changing our appetite. What does work is relationship. And as we begin to walk in relationship with Christ, we find ourselves transforming from typical American Christian to becoming Christ-centered. Religion is something that we keep. A relationship is something that we pursue. A relationship is something that we pursue. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. See, the problem with many of us today, and I'm not excluding myself, is that we have found a rest area in this pursuit. And we have pulled over onto that rest area and we're sitting there watching the rest of the world go by. And we're just kind of happy with where we are. And I want to tell you, there are these places of satisfaction in our relationship with God as we continue in this relationship. There are those places. But underneath it all, there is this gnawing desire, hunger for more. 
I want you to find a satisfaction that causes you to be unsatisfied. I want you to find a satisfaction that causes you to think, man, if this much is good, what else is out there? What else can I find? Where else can I go in this relationship with Him? Is God saying anything to you today? Because He sure has been to me. I'm always... I'm not a singer. And I'm always nervous when I try. Because most of the songs are, I know are so old that most of you don't know them. But do you know this one? I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Then we used to sing, the cross before me, the world behind me, the cross before me, the world behind me, the cross before me, the world behind me, no turning back. No turning back. Then often we would finish with this one. Though no one join me, still I will follow. Still I will follow. Though no one join me, still I will follow. No turning back, no turning back. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided. To follow Jesus, no turning back, no turning back. Almighty God, we wait here before you today. And my prayer for your people is that when we leave here today, there might be a fresh fire burning in our heart. A fresh hunger and thirst for You. That when we go from this place, it will not be without some challenge ringing in our heart that causes us to want more of You. Not on our terms, but on Yours. Father, there are hungry people sitting before me today. 
There are thirsty people sitting before me today. And that flame that used to burn in them has perhaps seen a fresh spark this morning as we have simply listened to what you said in verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for they will be filled. Thank you for that promise today, Father. And we leave this place hanging on to that promise. They shall be filled. Go with us, I pray. In the name of Jesus. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May He make His face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you and give you peace. The Lord bless you. You are dismissed. Now go find that hunger and thirst for that righteousness. Temporary wear The walls are falling down The storms are closing in Well, thank you. Tears have filled my eyes Here I am and I've held yeah. out yeah. as long as I can.